The following message is from the 2012 IBCD Summer Institute, Changed by Grace. Okay, a little bit about who we are. We better admit to it, we set them up for that. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of uh, who we are. Daryl and Janet Gustafson. Uh, we have been uh, counseling officially since 1992. Uh, we were set aside in 92 as... Uh, uh, Grace Covenant uh, Counseling Center at Grace Covenant Church in Gilbert, Arizona. We got our training under George Scipione and under Jim Neuheiser. And the Lord has uh, allowed us to counsel 1,500 individuals since 1992, just the two of us. We now have six counselors there and now our uh, BCTC training center. It's NANC certified. Uh, I'm the director of both the Counseling Center and the uh, Training Center. Janet is uh, Office Manager and Director of Women's Issues. In our training, although most of the nine training centers don't have it, we have a module that Janet teaches to women dealing with bulimia, anorexia, cutting, and those kind of things that are common to ladies. And so... She has a morning and afternoon. She teaches on those things. Wayne Neiman is also with us, retired school teacher who does some of our advanced classes on marriage and family. He has a doctorate in marriage and family counseling. He counsels on suffering and trials and also on uh, depression. And so that's who we, we are. Uh, the reason for developing this communication wheel, and uh, we developed this, uh, started years ago, 20, 20 some years ago, and so this is what you're seeing today is going to be uh, how it's developed over the years to where we have it now, and we're trying to get it published to, to get a booklet out so many people can use basically what you're seeing in your notes is what would be in a booklet. So. Excuse me, Darren. Can everybody hear? Yeah. Yeah. They're having trouble hearing okay. because we have a machine going. Okay. Are, are you supposed to use a microphone just because it's going to go online so that we can download it? Uh, he's got the general. It's being recorded right, right here. here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll speak up a little louder. I have hearing aids, so it sounds like I'm yelling. Right. <laughs> if you start showing, raise your hand. Otherwise, go ahead. Yeah, I'm deaf in one ear and can't hear out the other one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reason we developed the communication wheel is because we recognized that when couples came in for counseling and what was going on in their lives, that many people argue about things uh, in their marriage. And uh, we started to observe what was going on, and we realized that mainly... Uh, the couples would get their observations of what happened. The issue they were supposedly arguing about would get it mixed up with their feelings, especially the wife's emotional feelings, along with the husband's thoughts, and uh, would start an argument. And we had discovered that as we would force the couple to separate what they've seen and heard with their feelings about what they've seen and heard and what their thoughts are about what they've seen and heard, then they can get through a situation without arguing. 
And so that's why we have developed this, and after using it 20 years, it has been used successfully in almost every case that we used it, and it's almost every case we use this at some point. There's two ways that we have used this. One is normally we would wait till maybe the third or fourth counseling session, and we would introduce this for them as a way to communicate better while they're at home, so not all the counseling is going on in the counseling office. There are a few couples that we've had to use this way of communicating right from the first session because they were so angry at each other over whatever issue it was, we could not get out of them. Even the paperwork they sent in for us to go over would have short answers and we could not figure out what where to go with them until they were in our office and we actually asked them what the issue was and set them down and we'll be going through what we what we did in those sessions. Uh, we found out that many times the couple got into a fight or an argument not over what the issue was but the way that they were presenting themselves to each other. Body language, tone of voice, those kind of things were ticking the other person off more than the issue that they were arguing over. And so that's another reason for uh, the communication wheel. Well, let me open in prayer. Uh, the couple that's going to come forward is going to need our prayer. And <laughs> pray that you guys would uh, learn from this and be able to take it home and use it in your marriages and that you would be able to take it home and to help others within your church as well. And we'll show you how you can use it on people that don't even know it's being used on them. So let's open in prayer. God, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to look at this uh, tool that's been developed to help people to communicate without fighting and devouring each other, that they would be able to discuss an issue as data being put into a computer and to look at it and analyze it and then come to an agreement on a decision of the issue. So we thank you for this. We thank you for your word that only makes this possible. Uh, through your word, guides and direct us through every step. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. I forgot, what page number are you? You're 90, 94. 93 and 94. Yeah. 93 takes a picture. Yeah. I didn't straighten my pages out, you know. I, I know. Your secretary. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Hold on just a minute. All right, if you can hear, would you just let us know? Because uh, unfortunately, this machine is a little bit loud. Okay, the, the uh, title for this uh, workshop is uh, Language That Transforms. Uh, we were, we were cr created to be a communicating people. And uh, the scripture tells us that God has been the most perfect, greatest communicator, of course. He's the creator of communication. 
And those who seek to communicate effectively must look to him for direction in speech, listening, and our heart's attitudes. Our God is a communicating God, and we will not be having time to go over all these verses, but your homework assignment is to go home and look up some of these verses uh, so that you, when talking to others, can go to the scriptures and show them the points that we're bringing across. But Exodus 33:11a says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, in the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoke to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. We find out from Scripture, the Scripture tells us that the Word of God that we have here in our Bibles is even more certain than the Word that was spoke to the prophets of old. That the words of our Bible has come from God, it is spoken from God, God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, training in righteousness, as we see in uh, the Scripture. Well, we who are created in God's image are intended to be a communicating people. In Mark 16, 15, he said to them, Go into the world and preach the good news to all creation. Well, what have you got to use to preach the word to all creation? You've got to use words. You've got to use language to bring across what the good news is to others. And then while we're talking, we're also told by Paul in Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit them. Well, this verse, if you're going to practice it as a Christian, it just stomps out gossip, because whatever you're speaking has got to benefit the other person, and it's got to be something according to a need that they have. And so this kind of does away with a lot of small talk as well uh, in our conversations with other people. As Christians, there should be a a reason, a meaning for what we're talking to other people and to build them up in the faith and not to tear them down. My husband had a lady come up to him after he had preached on this section of Scripture, and she said, I have a problem with a co-worker. And she's gossiping to me and slandering about her family all the time. And he said, well, just use that verse. And she said, but I'm not talking about it. Well, no, but you are responsible for what you hear. And you are listening to language that won't build somebody up in order to receive the grace uh, of the Lord. So um, so she went back and she talked to her co-worker, Daryl. Showed him the scripture. And then I think that stopped the gossip, didn't it? It did. And she said, "This ver- your words are not edifying me, are not a ministering grace to me, and I don't think they are to you either. And so she stopped many years of gossip that this lady had gone on with. And, you know, those, those situations can turn into witnessing situations with an unbeliever. And I've always told people, we, we, need, to, we need to be real Christians in whatever we do. We need to portray ourselves as we're the norm, they're not. Don't hide the word. Don't uh, back away from, from exposing the truth of God to other people. You're the norm. God expects that from us. 
and that can crack the door open to a witnessing opportunity. Well, to understand communication, we must define it. Uh, God's definition of communication is the accurate exchange of information for the understanding of the content. Now, let me ask you for a minute. When you and your wives or children or workers, family members have been uh, talking to each other, have you accurately exchanged information so that each other understands the content of what's going on? Most of the time we're only talking, we're only communicating that part of the situation that will benefit us. Uh, rather than both giving a complete, accurate exchange for information so that we can make a decision about something. In other words, we've had counselees that come in, the wife found out that, uh, or got a letter in the mail, no, she got a phone call from a credit card company saying that your credit card is overdue and you're maxed out at $5,000, and the lady says, we don't have credit cards. Oh, was your husband so-and-so? Yes, this is your address. I'm sorry, ma'am, but at least your husband has a credit card. And uh, so they get in for counseling. And so I asked, said, is there anything else you need to tell her today? If there's anything else you need to confess, you need to accurately explain to your wife anything else she doesn't know. No, that's it. That's all. I had this credit card. Uh, we got short on money. I didn't want my wife to worry about buying food and paying the bills, so I started putting everything on the card so she wouldn't worry. Well, all of a sudden she got uh, wasn't so trusting as she had been, and so the husband used to always get the mail every day, so she decided to go to the mailbox first before he got home from work. And what, what do you think she found in the mail the next week? Another credit card maxed out at $5,000. Well, you can imagine how long a time it was going to take to build that marriage back up in loyalty and, and trustworthiness. So it's an accurate exchange of information. Again, uh, God's purpose, as we've seen in Ephesians 4.29, I've already quoted that. Uh, the God of communication commands that all speech must serve to his glory. This is the first verse that I memorized in seminary from our systematic theology professor, and that's 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to glory of God. And what a great verse to match up with the one that Tim Lane just explained, 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation is taking you except common to man, and within the temptation God's going to give you a way to bear up under it. And to have 1 Corinthians 10, 31, flipped from the 13 to 31, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, to the, do it to the glory of God. Those two verses in your your own life and your own counseling toolbox, along with Ephesians 4, 29, will keep you out of a lot of trouble. Darren, here's some water if you want it. I'm okay. Well, practicing communication. we we communicate with words. We know these days that sometimes we have to redefine our words because sometimes our words from one generation or another, the meaning slightly changes in our words. And so uh, sometimes we have to be careful. Uh, 
We're told in, in Psalm 17.3b, I have resolved that my mouth will not sin. And John, Janet had a great idea on how not to let sin come out of her mouth a few years ago. She uh, decided that she could not uh, speak to the kids calmly without uh, anger, so she decided to get a roll of duct tape and to put duct tape on her mouth so that she would have to think about what she was going to say because if she took the duct tape off to speak, she knew it was going to hurt some from that sticky duct tape. Well, that's not what God would have us to do. He would have us to deal with our heart issue on this. Uh, but it's a great example um, that we have... I have some cute pictures in here, Daryl, but they disappeared on me. <laughs> Well, just go back to the main... Okay, I got it. Okay. okay, we communicate with our tone of voice. We can say the same thing with two or three different tones of voice and it's going to mean something different to our spouse. Have you ever said something to your spouse and she got upset and you wondered what it was all about and she's upset because of the tone of voice you use? Uh, we communicate with body language. You say something to your spouse and they roll their eyes, what are you thinking? They're probably thinking, oh, here we go again. Thinking, I don't want to bother listening anymore. <laughs> or the rate, we had a couple one time that had an argument because one of them would raise their eyebrow just a little bit. <laughs> and the other person, they knew what that meant. <laughs> we communicate both by listening and non-listening. Oh, this, was, uh, this has been a biggie. Uh, and that's why in the communication wheel, as we get started, you'll see that when one is finished telling their side of the issue, that we will ask the other one to repeat what the other one said to catch a lazy listener. Well, I had an extreme case of this one time when a man came and said that, uh, I said, now here's a piece of paper. I want you to write down what your wife is saying going through this communication wheel and he says I, I don't need it he said I have a photographic memory <laughs> so so I said okay and the wife she went through about five things that was her turn to talk and I turned to him and I said now would you repeat what she just said he could not remember the first thing she said out of her mouth he picked up the chair and it was a little harder chair than this picked up a chair and was going to hit me with it because he got caught. Um, By the way, he was—he didn't think he was an angry man. He didn't think he was an angry man. His wife and two teenage kids, lovely Christians, brought him in because of years of walking on eggshells, not knowing when he was going to blow. And the sad thing is he never dealt with it. He never dealt with his sin. He was too proud. Okay, we communicate with our actions. Uh, Galatians 5, 14b and 15 says the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. And we have seen couples destroyed by the biting and devouring, name-calling. We use that verse once in uh, 
training a couple in the area of communication that we, we first, my husband taught on that and what it meant and how they were dividing and devouring, and then we had them go through a problem situation. And as they did it, I uh, went to a blackboard behind them and I made a list of biting and devouring and I put his name and her name up above. And when they would say something that was a form of biting and devouring, it, an attacking or tearing at the inner person, sarcasm, um, rudeness, interrupting, um, saying unkind and ungracious language, words that were not filled up or edified, I would write that down under their name. And when they finished, we had them turn around and look and see how they had been treating each other in this situation. They were shocked. And, and they said, we don't do that. Okay, let's go back. And is this the accurate definition of biting and devouring? And they had been doing it. And they had been doing it for years and just didn't think they were responsible for the use of their words. So this communication skills wheel was designed to aid you as a couple uh, to seek and honor God in your communication and it's also designed to help counselors and to help counselees, uh, pastors around the country have heard about this from others and have called me and, and I've sent them explanation of it so they could use it in their ministries as well. But there's always some warnings we put out to the people right up front and that there's some dreaded no-nos in communication. Things that you do not want to do and it's ways that will help avoid an argument. The, these are the things that people get go to war about and sometimes even forget why they even sat down, what the issue was that they were wanted to get solved because of these things. Uh, so please start by familiarizing yourself with the following communication inhibitors. They will harm others and display disrespect for our communicating God. The first one is sarcasm. We've had people that believe that they could be sarcastic towards others and they didn't hurt nobody, that it was a form of humor. But in our counseling room, we notice that when somebody threw a zinger at their spouse, you could see them flinch. And then the person would see their face and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I take that back. Please forgive me, I take it back. Well, the whole understanding of what sarcasm is is you don't take it back. It's already done its damage. Many people do not know that our English word sarcasm comes from the Greek word sarki that means to tear at the flesh. It's used in Greek literature to describe a, an animal with fangs, like a lion, a tiger, bear, dog, that tears down, takes down an animal for its food and tears the meat off the bone. It also is described in uh, Greek literature such as in Josephus who used the word to describe the whips or the uh, straps that were used to beat like Jesus and others back then for floggings to where there were pieces of bone that were embedded into the leather to actually tear flesh off the bone and if, if you saw that movie The Passion several years ago you'll, you'll understand what it means to tear the flesh off the bone they were pretty vivid in that a movie about that. So we had a couple that came in. Uh, the, the wife was the wife was an unbeliever, uh, and the husband was a believer. And and uh, she, uh, the wife, uh, had an affair and left her husband. 
And so the husband that's left at our church, uh, after the after she divorced him, uh, he met a, a lady, and uh, they got married. And we thought we better have them in because he had he had a it wasn't extreme sarcasm, but it, we noticed that he did use sarcasm as a way of humor. And so we sat them down, and we just we loved them. They've been married about six months or so, we sat him down in, in, in our office and said, you know, uh, matter of fact, his name, his name was Randy, and we said, Randy, uh, we're not sure whether you realize the sarcasm that you use, and we're cons- concerned that maybe this might cause a problem in your new marriage. And so, oh, he says, uh, he says, she doesn't mind. She thinks it's a, a good joke, too. And he turns around and he's got tears coming down her face. And she turns to us and she says, oh, thank you. I didn't know how I was going to approach him and to tell him how hurtful some of the things he has said to me. And she knew he loved her. And they loved each other, but, but we're thankful that we were able to recognize that. I mean, and, and it never has been a problem in their marriage. They've been married over 10 years now and, and there's not been another problem with that in their marriage. So and He still has a good sense of humor. He just doesn't use a zinger at her. He's one of those guys where you can say something to him. He's always got a, a, a twist that come right back at you with. You probably know people like that. Uh, most of the time now it's just it's nothing that's harmful, but uh, well, then there's the lazy listening. We already talked about that. Uh, the excessive talk. We've had couples come in and kind of wonder why is this husband so quiet all the time? Well, we, the wife never stops talking, and it can be the other way around as well. Uh, pick on the husbands too, uh, but sometimes some people. Are just they just talk, 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 and the other person can't get a word in edgeways. That's another thing to watch out for. Another is exaggerations, such as you always or you never. Now, husbands, if your wife came to you and said, Honey, you never take the garbage out anymore, and you can remember taking it out twice last month, isn't that going to start building up in you a frustration? Wait a minute, I have taken it out. And she just said, never. So, never, always. And here's a classic case. This is, this is a, a, a surgeon and his wife. And for 20 years, they come in and they have this issue. She says, you, you never put the toilet seat down. For 20 years, he's been putting the toilet seat down. And he's wondering, are the kids running up there? And flipping the toilet seat up and causing all this trouble and accusing me of not putting the toilet seat down? After 20 years and sitting through a counseling session, he finds out a toilet seat to her is the lid. To him, the toilet seat is what you sit on to go to the bathroom. One good conversation would have stayed 20 yeah. years of grief. <laughs> But it ended up in frustration and some arguments. Uh, just a misunderstanding of terms. Uh, not using self-responsible statements. In other words, if you start saying you should, 
or I did this because you did that, we must replace this style of communication with self-responsible statements such as, I will do this or that, or in my opinion. You know, when, when we start telling the other person what they're thinking, I don't know about you, but I know in the past, when somebody tries to tell me what I'm thinking inside and I'm not thinking in that, man, I'm like a cat in a gunny sack ready to come out and fight, you know? Uh, we call these fighting words. You want to start a good fight, just tell somebody what they're thinking or what they should be thinking or what they should be doing. There are times when God's Word says we should be doing things, and we have a right to say, well, God's Word says we should be doing that. But if I personally tell you my opinion is you should be doing that, and I'm not using proper communication skills. You're not going to listen to me, and we're not going to solve anything. So, we have found that when we tell people, when you want to tell the other person what you think is going on, be sure you say, I think this is what's going on. Or, in my opinion, this is what's going on. Then they have the option then to come back and say, well, in my opinion, this is what's going on. Or, I think this is what's going on. It eliminates arguments by just the wording that you're saying with the other person. So, uh, I'll let Janet now explain exactly how uh, we're going to use this communication wheel. Um, you have a picture of the communication wheel that's in your notes. And what if you want to go ahead and look at that, that's fine. Um, it kind of looks like this. And what we try to do is get at each each point on the communication skills wheel. Um, I'll stand back. Uh, at each point on the communication skill wheel, um, there was going to be a goal of understanding of content. And each person will get a chance to say when they are at their uh, facts or when they are at their... Um, feelings and their thoughts, when it's their turn at that point on the wheel, they get to say what they think or what they feel. Um, then the other person is trying to listen for them for understanding. Part of the reason people don't want to listen is because they think if they understand what you say, then they're bound to it. If they understand what you say, that means that they agree with it. And we try to make a point of teaching our counselees that it doesn't necessarily mean that you agree just because you've respectfully listened and understood what they're saying. And, and so that does help solve a problem. But each person will get an opportunity to communicate, and then we'll ask the listener, what have you heard? What did you hear them saying? Um, we ask them to take notes when we first start teaching this because we want them to develop the skill of listening. We're not really looking, when we teach this to a couple, we're not really looking for them to solve a problem right away. Probably they will solve a problem, but we want them to develop skills. And we'll tell them in advance that we're probably going to stop you along the way because we're looking to develop communication skills. So we'll, we'll stop you along the way every little bit if there's something that needs to be corrected. And please don't take offense at that. Um, and, and we want them to agree with what is said in order to understand its, con its content. Successful communication, we say, is based on listening and that we try to train them that careful listening is more important than speaking and it's important to understand that, I said, that you don't have to agree with what is said in order to understand. It, 
if a wife wants to show respect to her husband, we will teach them in the process of training them in this. If a wife wants to show careful respect to her husband, she will need to listen to his thoughts. Uh, it's a general statement, but most men care to be understood in their thoughts. So if they're telling you how they, they think, and you as a woman are listening carefully for understanding, you're showing respect. You don't have to agree with it, but you do have to listen carefully and understand. And husbands, if you would like your wife not to start on the long tirade of, of, of problems and what she's trying to talk to you and go on and on and on and on, listen the first time. The reason women repeat it is because they don't think you got it right the first time. <laughs> they don't think you heard it. So they'll come at it from another angle and another angle until they think they finally got their point across and you listen. So if you want to show respect to your wife, listen to her feelings. Feelings tend to be overall, this is a general statement, but overall more important to a woman. Men have feelings and women have thoughts. We pull those out. Men, uh, men have thoughts, women have Men have thoughts and women have feelings. Yeah, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Uh, there are a few cases, by the way, where it is backwards. We have a couple of commitments. It is backwards. So... We want them to listen, and Daryl, what do you tell them about the ratio? Well, God gave us uh, two ears and one mouth. Maybe we ought to listen yeah. twice as much as we speak. And, and that's probably pretty accurate. Uh, when we start this, we're going to put the subject in the middle. Let's get to... Um, the subject will be in the middle. And when we talk to a couple, we're going to say, we want you working as teammates. And I'll do this with a mother-daughter situation, too. We've used this on a family, um, a family communication time when we're having taken them through a conference table, and we'll get, teach them all the communication we'll, at the same time. We had, not too long ago, we had three different couples in a family situation that were all at having a family feud. And we had them in, and, and when they're under the discipline of some structure and communication, it's much more productive. By the way, that was a three-hour session. <laughs> um, but we tell them, take the subject, and it's just like this subject is not stand between you. It's not to be who wins this argument. It's not who makes the most point. It's over here, and it's outside of you, and you two are working as a team to try to accomplish something with that subject. We try to get them to think that way. It's not win time. And we will have them try to put the subject in one sentence. Sometimes you can have an argument just trying to get to that subject, what is going to be the subject for today. Um, but they'll suggest a subject, and we'll try to get it down to a non-threatening one or two sentences. That will go in the middle. And then after that, we'll talk about their facts. Facts are not editorials. Um, Facts are what I have saw, what I have heard, what I have smelled. The reason we add what I have smelled is we had one couple come in. They're both Italian. And they had a huge fight over, well, they thought, each one thought they made their own best spaghetti sauce in the world. And they were doing the thing. They had a family come over. And one said, it smelled just a bit burnt. And they had a fight all the way over to our office. So we used the communication well and uh, dealt with that. But it's what I saw, what I heard, and what I saw, just as if you were recording it and you were playing it back, not giving an editorial. And then we'll deal with the feelings. We used to deal with thoughts first because logically that comes next. 
but we found the women wanting to just go, I gotta get my feelings, I gotta get my feelings. So we did ladies first and and after uh, we talk about facts then we go with the feelings. And feelings are adjectives. They are unhappy, sad, pleasant, overjoyed, anxious, anticipating, um, irritated, uh, ir I don't know, give me some other adjectives. Part, anybody else? Stress. Uh, people come home from work saying that they're, they're stressed. Stressed out from work. Stress is a mild way of saying angry. Uh, ticked off at what happened at work. And so uh, we, people have invented a lot of words, hot under the collar, got up on the wrong side of the bed to describe their anger, and it sounds like it's not sin if they use those other words. Yeah. So sometimes the adjectives will be describing sin, too. Um, and then after they dealt with their uh, feelings, we will go through their thoughts. When we go through the feelings, a man will want to start telling you his thoughts. I feel, they'll say. The gentleman will say, I feel. And what comes after that? His thoughts. His thoughts. <laughs> Almost every time. And this is real discipline. It's a lot harder than you think it is. And when we go through it, you'll start to see it takes discipline to train your mouth so that you're not sinning against the other person. <coughs> but, um, and that you're carefully communicating. He'll, he'll say, I feel. I feel that it should go this way and that way. That's a thought. That's a thought. And I'll say to them, um, we'll say, well, your thoughts are important, but please hold them a little bit, and then you're going to get to say your thoughts. They're valid, and you get to say them, but not right now. So after we've gone through the feelings, and by the way, men, you want to be writing down those feelings, because the wife will usually have a lot of them. Uh, then we go to the thoughts. These are my personal interpretation of the data. This is kind of like an editorial, what I think is going on. I think, in my opinion, self-responsible statements... I'm not saying this is a guaranteed fact. I'm saying this is what I think is going on. And everybody allow, is allowed to have what they think is going on. Now, if they're presenting a sinful thought that violates Scripture, that's different. Now, and, that verse there, Proverbs 18, 17, when one comes along and tells their, their side of the story, it sounds good until another comes along and questions it. And we've had counseling cases where the we couldn't get the husband and wife together at first. And so... Janet met with the wife. I met with the husband for two or three <coughs> sessions, and Janet and I would meet afterwards, and she would come to me, and she said, Daryl, you've got to straighten that husband of hers out. And I would say, Janet, you've got to straighten that wife of his out, because we weren't hearing the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. So it's only when you get them together, and the communication wheel is a good way of getting them together, working through, then you get both sides of the story. Um, Often a wife will say, I think, and then she starts using a second turn to give her a feeling. <laughs> so then we want to correct her on that also. Um, now we're going to come to desires. Everybody is allowed to have desires. God allows us to have desires. Desires in, the, in this situation are my personal motivation. And we say if you reach the point of desires on the communication wheel, you're probably getting past the argument. The argument usually starts in trying to figure out what you're talking about in the first place, the subject, and then what we actually saw and heard, the facts about it. 
and what our thoughts and our feelings are. That's usually mixing those up is usually where the argument starts. So we congratulate them once they get to the desires. You're probably past your argument. And uh, we use what God uses, putting the other person first. How do I want this possible solution to this to benefit you? Um, how do I want a possible solution to this to benefit others? Then how do I want a possible solution to this to benefit myself? Putting yourself last. And when I say, how do I want a possible solution to this to benefit you? Here's a place to show goodwill. You've heard their thoughts. You've heard their feelings. Now you want to say, well, you know, I really would like to see you, honey, have that feeling of driving down the road in that shiny new red sports car. You can have that goodwill knowing that your bank account is not going to support it. And at the end, when you come to the problem-solving part, you're not going to be able to afford it. But you're expressing goodwill that you understand their desire for that. You understand what their feelings are about that. And you'd like to see them have it. Um, the husband may say to his wife, well, you know, I, I understand why you don't want to take that job and why you want to homeschool the children. I, I, I heard your, your, what your feelings are and your thoughts are about that. And at that point, he may decide that that's also his desire in expressing goodwill. I also desire this for the children. This is often a time when one or the other will show preference to the other individual. Then we will have them set together looking at each other. This sounds complicated. Don't worry about it. You'll get it better as you go. Um, we have them look at each other, and it doesn't solve anything to communicate unless we talk about what God's desires are. So the husband and wife will look at each other. They'll bounce things back and forth. Well, I know this scripture that I thought. And he may say, well, yeah, what about that biblical principle? It's kind of like they're talking back and forth together, uh, encouraging each other as Christians as to what scriptures apply to the particular subject at hand. Then we're going to have, get to the problem-solving part, the actions. That's where everybody wants to skip over and get to right away. Everybody wants to problem-solve right away. And if you haven't gone through talking about your thoughts and your feelings and your desires about a situation, we, my husband <coughs> likes to tell people they're not communicating, they're talking at each other. It's kind of like one's talking this way and one's talking this way, and they're not really communicating. When you talk about your each of your thoughts, feelings, and, and your, uh, your desires and God's desires, you're communicating with each other. You're working as a team. So we'll have them tell the actions. In the past, I have, and self-responsible, I did this. Not I did this because you did that. But in the past, I did this. Presently, I am doing this, and it's quite often the same thing. Present, you know, in the past, I complained because I couldn't have a red sports car, and I tend to overspend. And I look through all these magazines, and and I coveted a red sports car. Presently, I'm still looking them up online to find out what the cost of them is. Maybe the person's done a little something. Well, I've started saving some money in the bank account and I got a couple thousand now but then they'll tell what in the future they'll do this isn't a bargaining chip I will do this if you do that no it's only what I'm going to be responsible for I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do this is my yes is yes my no is no no matter what you say you're going to do in the future I will 
work on the scripture verses dealing with thou shalt not covet. Um, in the future, I will look at the finances and work, talk over the finances with you. In the future, I will not go to look at cars unless you are present with me. This is what I'm going to do. And then the wife would give her side of the story, what she's going to do. And that's how you come to a solution. Sometimes people can't come to a solution at one time. And so we say, that doesn't mean the prop, that you can't get this settled. Set an appointment when you can talk about it sometime in the future. Usually when you have an argument, one person has to have it settled. Why? Any idea? Pardon? Control. Control. Well, that, yeah, it's a method of control. And maybe you've got a history that is, let's say it's, it's the wife, and let's say if she's dealing with her husband and she knows if she doesn't get him to talk about that time, even if it's late at night, which is a very bad time to communicate, don't do it. <laughs> um, but if she doesn't get him to say yes to something, at that point she thinks he's never going to want to talk about it again. So it gets put up on the shelf, as my husband said. And so she's gotten used to this pattern of behavior. But when you take out your calendar and you can't solve something and you say, okay, we have some time Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock, we'll talk about it then for about an hour. Then you can have peace, you can go to bed, you can have a good relationship because you know at some point you're still going to get to discuss it. Yeah, that's a, pretty much in every couple there's always one that wants to get something settled now. The other one could wait for a week or two, uh, but the other one, no, I don't want this swept under the carpet. Let's get it settled right now. And they're afraid that if they don't get it settled right now, that it's never going to be dealt with. So this is get your calendars out. We all have phones with calendars in them now. Get your calendar out and figure out when Saturday afternoon or Thursday night you've got an hour or two to discuss this. Put it in the calendar, then you both can go to bed. You can continue on with your right relationship with the Lord. And you'd be surprised when you tell that to a couple, you just see like the weight of the world comes off of the shoulders of one of the individuals. We actually are going to deal with something. Uh, in these, uh, in counseling situations, if you're counselors and you would try to use this, uh, if you use this with counselees, be sure you uh, go through something like we're going to do today a couple of times in your office and to see that they're starting to use it properly before you send them home to deal with other issues at home. This is helping people learn how to counsel themselves so that you aren't their counselor every time there's a problem. And what we've noticed over the years is that very few times in all of the 400 and some couples we've counseled, very few of them have come back because they uh, come back over and over again to us. They have, there's some that's come back, but it's usually over something else that they wanted advice on. And uh, most of the people have used this uh, really well. Uh, if you're going to use it, if your husband and wife here today and you're going to attempt to use it at home, be sure you follow the directions uh, so that it doesn't fail on you. And... Uh, and this isn't meant to be used as a weapon. Well, you didn't get it exactly right. Well, encourage each other, be gracious, and work as, as a team. Okay, so uh, the other thing is we've used this with, uh, uh, like Janet said, we've used it with families that were at feud with each other. 
in-laws, outlaws, uh, that kind of a thing, even some of the family members being unbelievers. Uh, because, And then we bring, when we come in, we briefly go through the different aspects of what we aren't going to allow. And so they're learning something. Of course, the gospel always gets out uh, to those who are coming in, in uh, for this. So um, the uh, next thing is, I guess, I think there was a couple hands went up when I asked for volunteer for a couple or counseling. Oh, and back here, the green shirt and the striped dress. <laughs> Yay. You'll notice in your sheets that we've given you, if you'd like to use these this way to take notes, um, we tell... When we teach this, these in our counseling classes, we tell people, get out of your fix-it mode. You're not supposed to be trying to solve their problem. What we want you to be listening for is communication skills. How are they working at their communication skills? Um, what methods we use to deal with it? And we, you'll go through and we'll work on the subject. You can write down the subject. And then facts. We go his, hers. Usually the person who has the subject you want to talk about, we allow them to go first. But it doesn't matter this case. I just put his, hers because that's the way I take notes. We'll go through the facts, and uh, then we'll go through the feeling, and then we're going to go through the, desi- the thoughts and the desires and God's desires, and finally problem-solving under actions. And this young man over here, Scott, is going to keep this couple from running out the door so we can get this uh, settled. Okay, Josh and Chris, uh, we're glad that you came in uh, today for uh, counseling and that we understand that you have uh, uh, an issue or a subject that you would try to would like to try to solve and get completely uh, cleared up in your marriage. And, and so uh, maybe you can kind of tell us a little history of what that issue is and then we can determine kind of a put it in a sentence form to be able to deal with it so we'll probably need to speak up so people in the back can hear. yeah yeah um so yeah my uh, my wife christina and i are here uh, to talk about an issue and the issue is this um at the end of november last year i was hit by a car i'm a cyclist and a car turned in front of me, broke my tibia. I was on crutches for three months. Fast forward to now, um, I've gotten a settlement, and so I'd like to get a new bike. Uh, I've had an old bike. It's, it's like a 13-year-old bike, very tired and old and heavy, 34 pounds. I'd like to get a 17-pound bike, and I'd like to get a bike computer along with the 17-pound bike. Um, so I, uh, I've been talking to Christina about it ever since November, just kind of like, hey, this is something that I want to do. And uh, I went and saw my lawyer the other day, and he gave me a check that would totally cover everything that I want to get, bike and bike computer. And uh, so I came home and talked to Christina and told her that I wanted to get in. She was fine with me getting the bike. And by the way, I, I, I told I brought the issue up to her because I want to live with her in an understanding way. I don't want there to be strife in the home. I want us to be on the same page financially in the decisions that we make. Um, And so I brought it up to her to get her her input. 
and uh, Christina was fine with me getting the bike, even though she thought it was too much, but she wanted to hold off on the computer. So the issue would be whether I should hold off on the computer or just get bike and computer at the same time. Okay, just to let you know, if this was a real counseling situation, we would have stopped him long before he got all that information out. We would have said, okay, that's important information, but hold it. Hold that to later, because you're going to want to share that later. What, what is the thing that you want dealt with today? I'll give it in one sentence. Josh would like to get a bike computer, and Christina would like to wait. Okay. So could we say then it's whether or not you should be purchasing a bike computer at this time? Yeah. Yes. yeah okay. that's good. So that would be your subject. Okay, well, we've pretty much heard a lot of the facts you've already given us, Josh, mm -hmm. on on your side of the issue, so we probably need to hear from uh, Christina. You didn't give her a chance to write it down, though. Did you get it all? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't think we were there yet. Okay. Would you like to repeat the fact? These are the facts. They're, they're not your feelings and not your thoughts, just what you have seen and heard. Okay. So I've had a old bike for 13 years. Um... There is money in the account to get a new bike. And a computer. <laughs> um, I'm going to be commuting to work starting uh, next, well, in the fall, my new job. And I hate the 15 with all my heart. That's a freeway. And uh, I don't want to drive on it. I want to ride my bike. And I'm okay, sorry. You're, holding, you're, you're giving us your desires. So I'm sorry. <laughs> got a lot of passion. Okay. Yeah. You can tell us. You, fact, you, you ride tell bike us to work. I ride to work, yes. You can tell us see, how long it is to drive go on the 50. Yes, okay. See, look, see, what you're doing here, instead of just giving the basic facts, is you're trying to build a case. Yeah. See, uh, and we don't want to build it. <laughs> Yes. Okay, this is helpful. Thank you. That's why we came to you guys. That's right. Um, and uh, I, I will be more healthy if I get No, a fact. Josh has lost 40 pounds riding his bike okay, since we were married. Good. That's, that's a, that's a good fact. fact. That's, yeah. a, that's an observation, probably. Yeah. Yeah. See how hard it is. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's it. I, oh, the bike computer motivates me because I know it tells me how many calories I burned, what my estimated time of arrival is, and I can um, I can compete with my last uh, cycling time and try to beat it. So it's a motivational uh, factor. We let him slip a little in there. You're into your thoughts and desires. But he has such a good job at that. We <laughs> Did we mention he just graduated from seminary? <laughs> he can build those cases. Okay, I, I, I risk my case. Okay. <laughs> so we aren't keeping them all night here. Right. You we need will to go, yeah, just kind of briefly, briefly recap. Okay, a couple of facts to add in. Josh and Christina live at the church in a one-bedroom studio between both nurseries. Josh and Christina live there for free 
while Josh is going to seminary. Uh, Christina understood that the check we got just covered the bike that was purchased and the water bottle holders and whatever else was purchased. So that was the fact that I had was the check we had um, purchased that. The other fact is we have one car that was in the shop when this uh, subject took place, although we just got it back yesterday. Um, but now we have the car we borrow from our friend in the shop today. So those are some facts. Okay, you want to repeat her her facts? Yes. Um, we, Josh and Christina, live in an apartment for free in the church, one bedroom. Um, uh, Josh and Christina's car was in the shop, which was very expensive. The car that Josh and Christina were borrowing is also in the shop. And Christina, well, that, that's a belief, right? So I don't need to say she believed the check was for such and such an amount. She can say what she... Okay. She can say that okay. she observed the amount and, of the check. Okay, and so she observed the amount yeah. of the check was only for the bike and the, okay. the uh, bottle cages. Uh, one more thing. It's actually not a one-bedroom. It's a studio. So it's all one. Okay. And you can allow people to clarify things. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and after, normally, by the way, you would have had to take notes. That's great listening. Um, good listening skills here. So did, did he get what you were saying? Is there anything you need to clarify? Just that. Okay. So he's heard you accurately. Okay. So now this is going to be hard for you, Josh, but... Uh, what we kind already of, know each other. Right? What kind of <laughs> what kind of feelings? I mean, what kind of feelings do you have um, about this about issue? This not not what you think, it's not what not you would desire. Out here, you're working as a team now. Yeah. I feel the lightness of that bike, 17 pounds. Sorry, I'm sorry. That was good. <laughs> it is a feeling, I mean. Okay. Um, he said you're I, I feel, I feel like, and I want to be careful here, but I'm not saying this in an in a egotistical, humanistic way, you know, um, within the context of God's providence and His grace that He's shown towards us, I feel like I deserve this fight. Oh, that's your thought. Uh. <laughs> I feel... I feel... Um, Frustrated or... Annoyed, annoyed anxious. Uh, well, at this point, I, I don't because... because we haven't come to what her passionate, thoughts are yet. Passionate about I feel very sorry. passionate about getting the bike computer, yeah. Okay, all right. That's okay. Very Did sorry. the accident happen in the bike or in the car? In the bike. The lady who hit me was in the car, and I was on the bike until she hit me. <laughs> okay, so you want to repeat his one feeling. Do you feel passionate <laughs> about this? Did she get you? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, she, yeah. she got me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So as, as you're thinking through the check and the things that need to be paid and whatever, what is your what are your feelings about that? I feel happy to be living at the church in order to put my husband through seminary, save for a move, maybe save for the mission field. I feel 
like I'm in a teeny tiny little box when I think about living at the church to buy a bike computer. Okay, that could have been thought, but the way he expressed it was very feelings-oriented, so... Uh, you feel boxed in. You feel boxed um, in. Yeah, yeah just are, are unwilling, maybe not not on board to be doing that. Okay. Um, I feel sad because I want to want what he wants. And at this point, just to let you know, it is okay for them to give some explanation for their 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 feelings because you you base that on what you were saying. Okay. Um, and originally, although we worked this one through, but I told him I felt really bummed that I was willing for him to buy the bike, which for me which was a huge stretch. And I thought he'd be really happy, but instead he wanted the computer. But we worked through that one, so that's not there anymore. Okay, but save that thought. You can get that thought in a little bit. Oh, okay. 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 Can I ask a good question? Yeah. Was your bike total or not? Yes. Total. The other bike was total. Yeah. Your old bicycle. Yes. Janet, I have a question. How much is the bicycle computer? And if Christina doesn't want him to buy it, what would Christina like to do with the money? Or is okay. this not we're not a problem. Now? We're not we're a problem solving mode. And okay. by the way, y'all going into fix it mode. Okay. <laughs> uh, which which is common. Okay. Everybody does it just to interest. That's common. Well, that's a large word. Most people. So we'll have Josh repeat uh, Christina's yeah, feelings. Chris- this is very important. Christina is happy to live in the church while I go through seminary. Um, uh, she would like, I think this is a desire, but she said it, to save for a house or save for the mission field, which I understand. Um, and she's sad that she does not want what I want. Okay. Did, did he understand what you were saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, now, Josh, you're, you're able to give your thoughts. I this is what I think about the bike, the computer. Yeah, yeah. So it's my turn to give thoughts. So I'm going to give thoughts now. Um, very simply, my thoughts are that um, the money is there. Um, we do not have any debt, um, and the settlement is for the bike. So I think that there should not be any problem with getting the bike and the computer. Um, yeah. Okay, just repeat it for practice and for training. Okay, you think we have the money physically and that we don't have any debt and you got hit, so it's compensation for that. Yeah, she, she got it. Now, did I miss something? Did, did you say that it's compensation because you got hit? Well, he, I, what I meant was he, the money is for the accident, so it's for the bike. Okay. Is what he, so you're saying, right? Okay. So is that accurate? Yeah. This yeah. This allotment. There's going to be more money coming, but this allotment. It's not that it's necessarily for the bike. We can do what we want with it, but I need another bike, and so I feel like it's legitimate to not only buy the bike but buy computer. My old bike. This is information, but had a computer as well. And if can I add one thing? Is you, that okay? You can add. You can, you can go add back and add yes. from the past. Okay. Sure. Yeah. The, I do have a bike computer on my old bike, but it, it it's doesn't function very well. The cadence sensor doesn't work. It doesn't hook up to, uh, it doesn't transfer the data onto the Internet so I could see all my statistics for my exercise, and it's just an old, tired computer. 
See, sometimes when you're in the middle of it, old facts will come out. And if you ask me, I add it, it's perfectly legitimate. So you, you exercise while you're on your motorcycle? Oh, bicycle. this is a bicycle. bicycle. It's a bicycle. Oh, it's a bicycle. Uh, yeah, a bicycle. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, to clarify. I'm thinking about this. <laughs> no, this is a... Did you all know it was a bicycle? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Bicycle. Yeah. Bicycle. Yeah. Bicycle. Yeah. That's why I didn't clear it. A road bike. Yeah. It's a road bike. But don't, but, but don't think happy. Think tour de France. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, when you said road bike, your finger... Road bike. I'm looking at this oh, thing. Oh yeah, it's down in it. The the computer measures my heart rate. Okay, okay, okay. I understand. <laughs> okay, okay. So those are my thoughts. Okay, uh, Christina, what do you think? I mean, you, honestly, what do you think the money should be used for? I think the money we spent on the new bike is uh more than two to three times what the old bike cost. So I feel like, I, I think we have compensated that and and then some. I think he has a, a bike that he's always really wanted. I think we should fix the computer that we have right now. Um, I think my husband loves to, he gets really excited about things and wants to do it up front, but I think we should wait and that should be something we do for Christmas, or his parents and I go in for his birthday, or I think it could happen later. Um, and right now, we made a big purchase. I also think we may have a move coming up at some point. We may, we know moves are expensive. If we move somewhere else, we may need a couch. Like, so I think we should wait. Oh, I also think we don't know exactly how much the car repairs are going to cost. So we should wait till we find out about car repairs. She gave you a lot, so she weren't taking notes. And did you you heard the word "should" there a couple times? She's giving her thoughts, and she's saying "we." So she very carefully did it. It's not "you should." So it's not pointing the finger. It's saying "we" as a couple should. So you would let that one slide. But uh, we're going to see if Josh. Uh, yeah. So uh, remembered all of that. She thinks uh, that the bike that I want to get is three times more than what the original bike cost, so more than uh, it, it, it's overcompensating for the original bike. Uh, she thinks that um, we have a move coming up. We may need that money for the move. Uh, we may need a couch in the move. Um, we do not know at this point how much the uh, car is go the car repair is going to cost, uh, and we may need money for that. And so she thinks that we should wait. Um, she believes that uh, if we wait, uh, she and my parents or other uh, family members can go in on a birthday gift and get it for me later, but it's not something that she thinks needs to happen now. He understood you, right? That's what they're doing very carefully is they're repeating without getting into an argument saying, but it, but it should be this way. <laughs> they're not rebutting. They're just carefully listening and repeating. Most counselees will not be able to do that, just to let you know. They're doing an excellent job. Most counselees aren't going to be able to do that. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Josh, now what you want to take into account is the facts that Christina gave you. You want to take in the feelings that she brought to you and her thoughts that she brought to the table, knowing that she's this wife, the weaker vessel that God has given you, and 
that you're to be one flesh living with her. And now, what would be your desires, a solution to this issue? How would you, first of all, like it to benefit Christina? How would you like to benefit others? I don't know who others would be. Family, the church, I'm, I'm not sure. Friends who friends whose car you borrowed. They can't hear you there because oh. you're talking to Josh. Oh, uh, that you would take into account the facts and the feelings and thoughts that Christina brought, remembering that she is the wife that God gave you, the weaker vessel, and that you are to, uh, your your neighbor is, uh, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, and your neighbor is yourself. She's your closest neighbor, living as one flesh. How would you like a solution to this issue to, first of all, benefit Christine, and then secondly, benefit those around you, whether it's family, the church, the people who maybe you borrowed the car from that need repairs. I don't know that situation, but how would, first of all, and then thirdly, how would you want it to benefit you? May I please ask a question about this computer? This is not something that uh, measures your speed. It's all having to do with fitness and exercise. Is that right? Yes, both okay. to both. Speed and fitness. Just let you know you're going to fix it mode again. Okay. Oh, I just Sorry. want to understand what the computer does. Okay. Okay. And, and, you know, in all honesty, in counseling, it's very easy to get wrapped up in what the counselee is presenting. That's a good point you bring out. Instead, if you're taking notes and you're working on skills, when you hear something like that and you have a question, write it down to the side because it's something you're going to want to ask afterwards. Okay. But it, it, it is a fair question. So your question is, how will this benefit Christina? How will it benefit others? And how will it benefit me? Because you want it. How do I want it? And if you look at your wife when you you tell yeah. her, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, that's because you're remembering her feelings and yeah, her thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah. I, I'm thinking. Um, I I un I understand everything that you're saying. Um, it makes a lot of sense, and I want to live with you in an understanding way. I do not want us to have discord over a stupid bike computer. Um, one way, though, that this would benefit you if we got the computer is that it would it would enhance my exercise regimen and without going into a lot of detail it enhances your mood that's for sure yes <laughs> he's in a much better mood when he exercises um, I'm, in a, I'm in a better mood and we have are in a happier relationship yes healthy relationship when I exercise. So that's how it benefits you. How it would benefit others. Um, I'm sure others would benefit me being in a good mood. That's a good thing. Um, and how it would benefit me is um, I am serious about cycling, and this would contribute to me um, uh, being the most efficient in my cycling exercises that I could possibly be. I want to beat my personal best. I want to improve. And I want to beat others. So. Uh, what, what did you hear your husband say? Uh, you want to benefit me by being in a better mood and as just having a healthier overall relationship. You want to benefit you by getting healthier and um, just being your personal best. 
did she understand what you were yeah. saying? Yeah. Okay. Christina, how would you like the solution of this to benefit your husband and then to benefit others and then to benefit yourself? Um, I do want you to be able to exercise and to continue to um, reach those goals. You're so much more balanced in all areas of life when you exercise. Um, I also want to be able to fulfill your goals for ministry, um, which would require money to do various things. And so by saving money, I would like to be able to better um, reach those goals. Uh, for me, I would like to um, feel like we're being the best stewards of our money and um, benefit and, and pleasing the Lord with, uh, with the way we handle the things he's given us. Can you repeat those, Josh? Did, uh, did you want to talk about how it benefits others or... Did I miss that? Well, I'm, I'm thinking just the way we're students with okay, our money, okay, what, okay. what we can do with it. So you think it would benefit me uh, reaching my exercise goals and uh, also by fulfilling goals for ministry by putting the money rather into ministry goals whether in, instead of the computer. Um, and uh, for both yourself and others, you want us to be good stewards with our money. Okay, now this is where you do something a little bit different. We have a couple work as a team when we come to God's desires. We ask them to balance ideals off each other, and they can each say, hey, I know a scripture that deals with this. And, and so they're, they're both trying to work as a team to figure out what would God want for this situation. So now in all your training, your understanding of scripture, are there any principles or scripture verses uh, of what you would see that God would desire for this issue? Yeah, I mean, the first one that I would think of is that, uh, for my part, I want to live with you in an understanding way. So, again, the last thing I want to do is make this an issue that is going to bring strife and discord into our marriage. So at the end of the day, if we're not on the same page, then I'm not going to do it. So that's a principle that I want to keep in mind. Secondly, the whole book of Proverbs and other places teaches us that we need to be good stewards of our money. And so I want to be a good steward of our money um, but I also understand that that's a little bit subjective in the sense that we do have the money for it. So that's one of two things. Any scriptural principles that come to mind to you? Yeah, I would just think how the Bible says to have the, have the same mind. And, and so I would think maybe we could pray together. I know I asked you before to pray on your own, and I was praying on my own. Um, but maybe we could pray together about this and see if the Lord can help us move towards each other. Um, I can't think of a specific proverb, but it's just the saying, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Which, but Proverbs tells us, you know, not, not to be surety for a loan and um, not, not to take gambles. So to me, what that looks like in our situation is waiting until we get all the car bills, um, until all the numbers have shaken down and we actually know con concretely what's coming and what's going out. Okay. So you both see both of those, all those principles yeah. in Scripture. Yeah. Okay. This is problem solving. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, this has been a very shortened amount. In, when we get a couple in, we would take a whole session on at least an hour. Sometimes we take an hour and a half. We do not want them to leave in the middle of it. 
you want to solve it before they go so they don't have a fight. And um, now it's actions and self-responsible statements. I will do. In the past, I have. In the present, I am. And in the future, I will. Now, this will incorporate some of the things that you mm -hmm. just said that okay. you thought God would have you do. So. Josh gets to go first. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, in the past, I have shown deference to your judgment on things that I thought were the best decision for our family and, and for you and me. Um, Presently, I feel like that's what I'm doing. It's a feeling, sorry. Uh, presently, that's what I'm doing by taking into account what you think. Um, I am very much willing to, to wait off on the computer, even though I don't think it's necessary. Is it okay to say that? It's not really violating. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, it's, I'm not being sarcastic. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just telling her. I. It sounds like you're trying to build your case again. When, when I think uh, what Christina was saying in is that wait. is that we're going to pray mm -hmm. and we're going to see how much the repairs are. Yeah, I mean, there's some actions that I believe you guys could put in this place. Okay. Are those any of those that you're because willing to? Because if you're going to pray about it. You're, you're you're not coming to a decision right now, but okay. you've got a plan to pray about it, look okay. at the finances, and you guys will make that decision yeah. later. So he's jumping in and applying what was spoken about. He's not telling them what to do. He's jumping in and applying what they've already talked about mm -hmm. to see what Josh is willing to do. Yeah, so I'm willing to wait on the car bills, see where we're at financially, and then make a more informed decision so that we can be the best stewards of our money. And that's what I plan to do. Mm -hmm. and, okay. And right now, I, I'll have one question. Do you have any time limit you're setting on this? Um, I, well, I mean, <laughs> it would just be after we know where we're at financially, so I don't okay. know when that is. So all, all information or just the car bill? I'm just thinking the car bill, and once we figure out how much more we're getting okay. from the that's, settlement. That's the other thing I was wondering. Okay. Okay, okay. and then the other thing you well, you mentioned was that you would be praying about it. So that's another what my action will be. Okay, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, okay. so I I have been praying about it, and I will continue to pray about it, and I want us to be praying about it together. Okay. Now, what's self-responsible? We won't, for time's sake, we won't have you repeat, but what have you done in the past? What are you doing in the present? And what are you willing to do in the future? Okay, uh, in the past, I have prayed about it on my own, and I'd like to pray about it with you. Um, in the past, I haven't heard you out completely on this, and so I'd like to dialogue, continue to dialogue more thoroughly so that we both understand each other. Anything else? So are you both satisfied with the point where you're at? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're going to go home and then not fight about this anymore. And the next time we get together, we we'd like to have an update on how you're doing this. Of course, what? we're going to have to come a long ways to see you next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, one well, further, what what we would suggest if this was a couple at our church is that uh, we have an a, we have an, a, a CPA that every Monday night from five to nine. 
counsels anybody concerning finances, future planning, budgeting, anything for anybody in the church and uh, our counselees. And so we would recommend that you would go to a financial accountant and sit down with your finances and get a perspective from somebody who deals with these things all the time, telling your goals. Okay. So maybe we should listen to the Money Matters seminar from Jim. Okay. Yeah. And so this is the point. You take some of those questions you've been writing on the side, and then maybe you'd ask them some clarifying questions. Because we're working on the skills. And by the way, they, they're very skillful in their communication. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Most counselors aren't going to do anywhere near this. Copyright 2012, IBCD, All Rights Reserved. More free resources are available at www.ibcd.org.